Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch. Now, a few months ago, I interviewed a gentleman by the name of Barry Nicolau, and it proved to be one of the most popular podcasts of 2019. And we discussed a particular topic that historically has been dismissed as a little bit too airy-fairy. Now, most of you know that I'm not into that sort of nonsense. I'm an entrepreneur. I like black and white, and I like things that are science-based. But a lot of, of what Barry says is now being supported by science. So I've invited him back this year to talk about the placebo effect. And uh, before I do so and introduce Barry, I want to tell you a little bit about him because he has a fascinating history. So he started actually in the Australian footwear trade almost 16 years ago, and he was known as the footwear oracle because he was transforming retail-based fashion and footwear But that wasn't his calling because after an epiphany at a graveyard in late 2015, Barry started writing every morning between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. for 12 months. And that culminated into a number one best-selling book on Amazon named The 11 Master Secrets to Business Success and Personal Fulfillment. Now, if you want to know a bit about that epiphany, listen to the podcast from last year. Otherwise, please listen on because we're taking it to the next level in this week's podcast. So the book has taken on a life of its own and it was actually featured by Oprah. But his passion has now led him to pioneering new formats and themes for well-being festivals all over the country, interviewing masters in personal development and personal fulfillment. And he is completely passionate. He has an obsessive drive for understanding the connection between mind, body and spirit. And I absolutely love that about him because he's a thought leader on personal change, self-love and personal development, something that most entrepreneurs or most people with an entrepreneurial background don't really get into. But Barry believes that finding a perspective on passion and personal truth is the answer to living a no-regrets life, and I absolutely love that. I believe book number two is currently in the works, and on that note, Barry, a special warm welcome back to our podcast. Thank you, Sam. It's great to be here with you. Now, we've been having some conversations um, uh, offline over the last few weeks, and uh, you're one of uh, our thought leaders who st- who stays in touch regularly with um, uh, myself and my team, and I really thank you for that. And you've got some interesting insight into um, what is going on in the world at the moment, obviously, but approaching it from the principle of the placebo effect. Now, uh, you attended Upgrade Your Life 2020 and you saw that in our framework, there is a heavy emphasis on health and not just the physical, uh, but your mental, emotional and spiritual. So I, I invited you on the podcast again because I think the placebo effect, uh, well, there's a placebo and the nocebo. And at the moment, with the overwhelming amount of information about the virus, it's uh, our mind is turning against us. Mm. So I want to uh, have this conversation with you to remind people of the power of the mind mm. 
and to use it to their advantage so they can have a placebo rather than a nocebo effect. Now, uh, one of my good friends, Dr. Peter, I'll, I shall refer to him, has told me that he's absolutely gobsmacked with how many people are coming to his clinic complaining of symptoms that are very similar to COVID-19. And, you know, even some people who have just had the common cold are presenting with, oh, I can't breathe properly. I've got this dry cough. And, you know, he tests them and they don't have the virus, but they're experiencing the symptoms. So this is the mind uh, working against us. And I want to remind people, as I said, that it can work for us. And you're one of those proponents of, you know, the creative visualization mm. using the that intelligence within us to create the life of our dreams in all eight areas rather than cause the destruction of our, you know, our, not just of our mental health, but our physical health. Because there's no doubt that the mind sends, now science has proven that the mind sends signals to the body via the hormonal system and you know our electrical system as well and so there's that very strong connection that we're starting to um, understand and so we we touched on this in our first podcast together which is uh, one of the most popular podcasts we had in 2019 so thank you for coming back again i know you have a very busy schedule you have so many corporate online courses at the moment during this period that are helping a lot of corporations But first of all, just uh, if you could just remind us of your take on the placebo effect and how we can use it to our benefit in all eight areas of our life. Absolutely, Sam. And and can I just echo everything you've just said um, and, and that opening is just so beautiful because every part of what you've just said rings very true for me um, and also I think for a lot of people out there as well, um, in particular higher branch followers and, you know, a lot of the circles that I roll in uh, are all asking um, questions about the power of uh, just not just the mind but the power of subconscious thought specifically because, um, as you would know, 80% of our life um, is run on autopilot and unless we get in there and kind of adjust the wiring, so to speak, uh, to give us, I guess, more favourable outcomes mentally and in reality and and, 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 and in a physical way, um, unless we kind of go in there and look at where we could be wired wrong or wired from fear, uh, we kind of keep going on our same path. And that's when people usually say, you know, time flies and, and you know, the last 10 years have gone really quick. It's because you don't get in there and really change the wiring and every day ends up being the same over and over and over again. So... For those of us that I guess don't really uh, have heard of the placebo effect and uh, have put it aside or the people that do uh, some research into it and just really find out what it is, uh, the placebo effect is is, is actually, a, a, I hate to use the word fake because the, the, word, the word fake is being used in American media right now all the time, but, but in essence, it's an inert substance coming from a trusted authority. So, so if you have a headache, for example, and you go to a physician and the physician says to you, oh, yes, we've seen what you have before. Here is a pill um, unbeknownst to you. It's a sugar pill or any kind of inert substance. You take that pill and you immediately experience healing properties from that pill um, and you go home and, and, and trust that your physician has given you the right thing because you're experiencing uh, the realities of what it's given you. 
but but what we're actually talking about today, the placebo effect, is is there are people that are taking active substance, active drug substances that are having healing rates, but with placebo, healing rates are actually up to fifty percent now, Sam. So so in essence, we put a hundred people in a room, fifty percent actually get an active drug substance, the other 50% do receive an inert substance like a sugar pill or saline solution. There's even been fake surgeries being done on people's knees. Like I've, I've, I've been reading research from Harvard University saying that people are going in for a knee operation. All the physician is doing is just slicing the skin slightly, stitching it back up. The, the patient sees the stitches and the cut and they believe that the knee has, has no pain any longer. And, and it's, it's going to a stage where if you understand that a trusted authority can convince you of healing yourself, then this really can translate into any other area of life. It's not just, I guess, secured to the medical field. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, there was a, um, the Institute, I think the Institute of Noetic Sciences published something called the Spontaneous Remission Project, where there was three and a half thousand case studies mm. and they showed that there was um, people healing themselves from incurable illnesses. Mm. You know, these are people with stage four cancer, yes. heart disease, autoimmune yes. Yes. Uh, disease, kidney failure, even HIV. People who tested HIV have gone on to test negative, you know, after from this placebo effect mm. and from the power of the mind to heal the body. And I love that you mentioned that, um, you know, these fake surgeries because uh, that spontaneous remission project have a number of case studies mm. uh, of people that have actually healed themselves. So it, it is an untapped power from within. And there are people out there incredible people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, who oh, yeah. is teaching people how to unlock, yes. you know, that, that gateway, to open that gateway for us to tap into it. But my question is this, my question is uh, whether we do it through meditation or visualization, guided meditation in the form that Dr. Joe Dispenza and you yourself do, or even hypnotherapy, which is something that Lynn McPherson uh, who was recently on our podcast does, is it the placebo effect? Isn't it just allowing the parasympathetic system to switch on? Yes. So we go into a relaxation state, which then allows the body, the body's inner intelligence to actually do its thing and heal itself. Is that is that what's going on here at a well, scientific it level? It is. It, it is. And to even further that, Sam, um, there's the expectation of health when when for example and i'll go back to my example previously if a doctor gives you a pill um and that that pill comes from a trusted authority there are there are expectations of healing so for example scientifically as soon as that pill is handed to you by the chemist there's the release of endorphins and dopamine in the brain now dopamine and endorphins are the body's natural pain relief chemicals so as soon as the doctor gives you that pill and says, yes, I have had this before with another patient, this has really helped them, here you go. There is a chemical reaction that starts from that point. From the, you, you've just, You're just holding the pills in your hand and you're going, 
what's in my hand right now is real and it's physical. And if I swallow this pill, it will it will assist me in in healing and 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 getting better. So that's the point where it starts. So I need people to really understand that if you take the placebo effect and you really put it into all other areas of our lives, say, for example, relationships, or if you put it into business or you put it into any sort of success mechanism, and if you look at other people that have, um, I guess, achieved a level of whatever that you want to achieve and they have done it, it then becomes a belief that it is possible. And I guess that's what we're really alluding to here. We're actually we're looking at the power of belief. Because if you're healing yourself based on a sugar pill and there's no active substance in that drug and you're actually experiencing healing attributes, it can't be anything else. It has to be suggestive healing. It has to be the power of the mind. So this can be translated into any area of life, which is... It's so important that people um, attend, you know, events like Upgrade Your Life because there is so much belief in that room. There are speakers on that stage that are saying, Sam, and you would know this because you're one of them, the people that are saying, I have done this and, and I can let you know that I'm the proof and you can also do this if you really want to. And it is the same sympathetic nervous system you were saying before and the release of endorphins and dopamine in the brain that are saying this is possible this is actually possible as soon as we know that something is possible it becomes probable and as soon as it becomes probable you you have a you have a feeling of expectation that it's just a matter of time until i get better until i achieve success until i find that perfect mate until i you know want to do something with my life that i really thought was possible so for me, when I go out there and do my, I guess, my coaching from a corporate level and from an individual level, it's all about making sure that the student that is with me understands that whatever they want is possible. And as soon as the mind can take that leap of faith in themselves, then they can actually take, take a, faith, a leap of faith in anything that can come to them from that belief, if that makes Beautiful. sense. Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. Now, Last week on the podcast, I had Dr. Jason Kaplan, who uh, is a, a specialist cardiologist, and he quoted the um, the case studies that Dr. Dean Ornish and the research mm-hmm. that Dr. Dean Ornish has done with the impact of plant-based diets mm-hmm. on the heart, and you can actually reverse heart disease. Uh, so I actually looked into Dr. Dean Ornish's work. I had read his book many years ago because I have high cholesterol, but there's an interesting couple of chapters in that book where he mm. uh, he talks about the power of meditation and visualization he gets people to actually have a look at their scans of their heart so they see what they look like and they see where the blockage is you know the part of that artery which is becoming blocked so often people have heart attacks before the artery becomes completely blocked it's just you can get to 40 percent blockage and still have a heart attack but then interestingly as part of their plant-based uh, diet change and lifestyle, he also got them to visualize in a meditation the plaque dissipating from their arteries and regressing. And he places a lot of emphasis on that meditation and that visualization. Uh, so I think that 
the role of healthcare providers isn't just to you know give out medicine it's to also tell people to instill that belief to turn people into true believers that uh, this medicine will help them and lifestyle changes mm. will help them mm. i'm fortunate i have one of these doctors i call him i call him the uh, get out of here doctor and <laughs> get out of here so yeah. it's like it's a uh, it's um Echoing something that George Costanza said on the Seinfeld program is mm-hmm. when the doctor said to him, he presented with a discoloration above his lip. I remember and, that episode. Yeah. Yes, and the doctor said to him, oh, maybe we should get that checked out. And suddenly George went, fell in a heap, <laughs> neurosis, thinking that he's going to die of cancer. And it was, it was just about yeah. um, just before M- he signed the deal with NBC and he said, I knew that God would not let me get su- <laughs> be successful. But yeah. There was something that George said, uh, or Jason Alexander said, yeah. he said he should have said to me, cancer, get out of here. You got nothing. So I've got one of those doctors every time I go and see him, mm. you know, I do the Dr. Google thing and I, I turn up and I say, oh, is it this? Is it that? What is it? What yeah. have I got? And he said, get out of here. You got nothing. Just go. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know he, here you go. He's a prescription. I walk out of there thinking, yeah, I feel amazing. Yeah. What was I thinking? Yeah. Totally, it was totally neurotic. So I completely bounce back. And a lot of the times I don't actually go and get the prescription because he's made me feel like there's nothing wrong with me. Mm. And I remember another case where 12 years ago I was traveling to Los Angeles and for the life of me I couldn't fall asleep in the first three to four hours and I had spent the extra money to upgrade to business Mm. thinking that's going to help me sleep, it's worth the money because once you get there, you're not written off for the first three days. It's really important. And I couldn't sleep. But I had taken, just as a backup, five sleeping tablets, right? And I took the sleeping pill. I fell asleep within a few minutes. Now, when I got back to Australia, I told my doctor, I said, oh, thank you for those sleeping pills. Because as soon as I took it, I fell asleep straight away. And he said, well, it actually takes about half an hour for it to come in. <laughs> so it wasn't the sleeping pill that knocked you out. It was the actual, your brain switching off yeah. and your parasympathetic system engaging relaxed you enough for your natural body mechanisms to click yeah. into gear. Absolutely. So, so it's, it's actually very powerful. Now, I, I'm just going to let you respond to that before uh, we kick off how the placebo can work in all eight areas of life. But what, what do you say about what I just said? I think you're amazing how you went to sleep in three minutes. I, I think I think as soon as you held those tablets, the expectation of the sleeping pill, there wasn't a time frame where you expected it to happen because that wasn't revealed to you until after. So if you took them and you fell asleep within a th- three or four minutes, I think the expectation when you swallowed that pill was that it would have almost an immediate effect and you went with that the brain understood that what you are taking is something to you know sedate you and put you to sleep and relax you and and you went along with it it's it's just truly amazing and one thing i will say sam and i know this is a little bit off off of subject but i need people to really understand because the subconscious mind has a way of linking energy and feeling when it comes to expectation and what i mean by that is if you meet up with someone, or let's just take the news cycles just as a, as a really easy example. If you watch a news cycle 
on COVID-19 and you hear everything that you have to do, you know, everything that you have to hear, and then you're seeking more information. So you go to the next channel and they've got a whole new reporter and a whole new series on understanding it. The subconscious mind only needs 17 seconds to link a thought that is like the thought you've just off. So if you catch up with someone and there is an understanding that they're going through a tough time, right, it only takes 17 seconds until you uh, not just sympathize with them, but maybe bring in an example that is like their example. So it doesn't take long for subconscious thoughts to link one another. 17 seconds has been proven to be the combustion point where one thought links to another, just like a chain. It, just, it only takes 17 seconds. So if you can understand where someone's coming from or understand an illness and kind of detach yourself under the 20-second mark and go, okay, I've understood it. Now I've got to move on to something else. The subconscious mind hasn't got time to adapt that that's something that's going to become part of your future. So for me, what I like to do is speaking to people like yourself, reading books, understanding that anything in life is indeed possible I read books like that consistently because I know once I receive a message for as little as 17 seconds, a linking thought in my mind will also join and will go, oh, wow, that's possible. And oh, my God, that's possible. And if that's possible, then anything's possible. And that's the the mind doesn't have a distinction between it doesn't have a preference between fear and love. And this is the thing that we really need to hone in on, which is. Fear links just as well as love links to other to other good feeling thoughts. So the soil doesn't care what you plant in it. The soil is all about expansion. You plant a weed, you plant a rose bush, they're both going to grow because the soil is fertile. And we need to really understand that our minds are very, very similar. It, the mind, the subconscious mind is a program. It does not care what you plant in it. Its job is to show you the physical expression of what you believe to be true subconsciously. And that's that's wow. what my research is leading me to. So the, the subconscious mind does not care what it gives physical expression to, the situations, the people, the circumstances, why some people have quote-unquote bad luck, why some people have quote-unquote good luck. It's not good luck or bad luck. It's the physical expression of what's going on in the mind. And that transcends over into illness. It transcends over into wellness. It transcends over into love, hate, uh, war, peace, everything. Whatever we give our attention towards, we're going to expand. And COVID-19 is kind of the latest, um, I guess, expression of what I believe humanity has got going on collectively, um, subconsciously as well. And just to give you an idea, Sam, I've been actually looking at how many apocalyptic movies they've been made in the last 20 years. Do you know how many they've been made? There's been 387 apocalyptic movies made in the last 20 years. Wow. Now, 87 of those are illness-related. Right. So, you know, it's interesting. If millions of people are watching movies based on how we're going to die, how the human race will, will perish, then it's interesting that we're now faced with a scenario which seems to be a physical expression of what we've been I guess, feeling and thinking and, and all under the guise of entertainment. So we attract what we fear. One million. We attract everything. It's not even what we fear. It's we attract, we attract our deepest beliefs. And 
you know, a lot of the talk in the world about the law of attraction and all this, it's not about attracting what you want. You actually end up attracting who you are. So if you're consistently of a certain mindset, uh, for example, if you know someone that always says, oh, I always get sick every winter, I always get the flu every winter, it always happens to me, it always happens to me, then they get the flu and they come back to you and they say, you see, I told you, Barry, I told you I'd get the flu. It's all They have set up an expectation, a scenario that they always receive it. So life goes, okay, you must want it. So it doesn't have a bias on good and bad and fear and love. It just, it's, it's role like the soil in our backyards its role is only about expansion, which then comes back to upgrade your life, which then comes back to what we put in our minds, which comes back to what we, who, who we have around us, um, how much love we show people, how much love we show ourselves. So it really comes back to a mirror of what we are experiencing in the outside world. If you look at your world, Sam, and look at my world, we are experiencing our deepest held beliefs. You, you started Upgrade Your Life because you believe in the good of humanity and, and, and you want to express that through love. What's the best way to do that? Let's get an event happening. So it's, it's an expression of love and it's an expression of potential and it's, it's an expression of it, it, it's possible, guys. Things are possible. You've just got to jump on the train of understanding that things are possible. And once you're there, I'll show you the way. Wow, that's very, very powerful. Now, for people who are listening, who are thinking, well, mm-hmm. you know, this placebo effect mm-hmm. or the laws of attraction or how you think is so important, it's all nonsense. I want you to consider that science have, has actually uh, discovered a gene called the COMT gene that not everyone has. And this COMT, uh, COMT, C-O-M-T, in capitals. And Dr. Rhonda Patrick talks about this gene in quite a bit of detail. And you can actually get genetic testing to see whether you have it. And if you do have it, you tend to be a person that can uh, manifest, you know, into reality what they're thinking and feeling. Mm. So self-talk for those people is super critical because if it's positive, you can create an amazing life, but if it's negative, you can turn on yourself and destroy your life mm. in the process. Mm, mm. So there is a genetic basis for us to have this uh, particular ability to manifest what is going on inside of us. And I love that analogy you used uh, of the soil. So you also touched on something there, uh, which is super critical. And you mentioned the relationships we have with others. So the ability to invoke the placebo or the nocebo is not just about what is going on within yourself, not not just about what is going on within your thoughts and within your feelings, but it's also in the people that you surround yourself with. And it's also the impact that you have on people. So if, you know, we talked about health briefly, but if we talk about, say, love as in an intimate relationship between two people, and if we talk about family, as in, you know, your role as a parent, this now makes you not just responsible upon yourself and your own physical health, but also the health of others. So if you're a parent, for example, what you tell your children has a big impact on them. If you tell them to believe in, in something, then they can manifest that. So be careful what you tell your children mm-hmm. and how you talk to them. And 
It reminds me of um, a story many years ago of a midwife. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. And uh, this is at a time, I think it was in the 1700s, where they believed in you know, hexing and stuff like that. So uh, there was a lady that gave birth to a triplets, I think. And the midwife said that these three girls that were born are hexed from birth. And one of them is going to die at the age of 16. The other one's going to die at the age of 19. The other one's going to die at the age of 23. And sure enough, all three girls died one day before their birthdays. One day before the age of 16, one day before the age of 19, one day before the age of 23. So, and, you know, this is where the, like, this placebo effect has gone mad, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it just shows that these three girls genuinely believed that they were going to die at that age. In fact, the third girl, you know, presented to a hospital, you know, a day before her 23rd birthday and said, and she was hyperventilating and she was saying, Please help me. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And sure enough, she died that night in hospital. Yes. It was incredible, right? In Aboriginal communities itself, you know, we, we know of stories where an Aboriginal person that is highly spiritual and, and is totally connected with their, their tribal lands can will themselves to death. Now, have you heard of that? Oh, that's amazing, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, absolutely. So something quite profound is going on here. And that's why your belief system is super critical. Now, we could, we could take this discussion into so many different areas. The mind, the, the emotions, we can take it to a spiritual tangent because there are you know, people who are religious and have an immense amount of faith are living proof you know, of the placebo effect and what that can do for your own health. You know, there are a lot of people in, in Italy at the moment who are showing complete immunity to this virus in their older age because they have extreme faith that God has their back. And all these research will come out in the, you know, in, in the future about how your mind and your emotions and your spiritual well-being is so critical in shaping your, you know, your life, not just your physical life, yeah. uh, but, you know, your relationships. So let's talk about what I'd love to talk about, if that's okay with yourself, is how can we use the placebo effect for our benefit in all eight areas of life? Is it about expectations? Is it about, is it about switching the parasympathetic system? For example, you look at relationships and the people that are getting divorced and the people are splitting up have this belief that something is wrong with their relationship. And because something is wrong, that their relationship's no good. And it's because they set unrealistic expectations of what a relationship is. Yes. They're chasing perfection. And they genuinely believe that, hey, my relationship is screwed up. But an external person looking at that same relationship, whether it's a, you know, a coach or a counsellor, a psychotherapist, a couple therapist, says to them, actually, your relationship's quite good. Mm-hmm. And this is, has the same impact as a doctor giving a placebo because they walk out of there thinking, hey, our relationship's great. What are we talking about? And that makes people stick together. That's why there was a phenomena in the 80s and 90s of all these uh, shows, you know, starting with The Simpsons and Roseanne and showing highly dysfunctional families and couples sitting at home watching this thinking, actually, you know what? Our relationships is okay, you know, and it was keeping people together, right? 
that's an example of you know of the placebo thinking. No, I'm actually all right. I'm all right. It's because of the messages that we have from the people around us. So, getting back to my original point, this placebo effect is impacted to an extreme level by the people we surround ourselves with. With yes. so, if you surround yourself with toxic people, you're going to experience toxic thoughts. You're feeding yourself toxic messages. Yes. Um, so, I want to talk about the role of partners the role of parents, the role of, um, and I'm cycling through the eight areas of life here, the role of um, managers and entrepreneurs in their businesses for their own employees, uh, the role of friends, the role of teachers. And uh, we talk about, if I want to talk about wealth as well and and charity, you know, our charitable nature during these times where it's so important for us to show love and compassion. So how can we use the placebo effect in all eight areas of life? Well, Sam, you've touched on some really, really, um, I guess, critical issues to living a holistic life. Um, well, I want, I want people listening to this to really to, you know, yeah. to finish uh, by the end of this, have a, a list of action items that they can implementing to take better care of their inner world so they can, you know, switch on the placebo and switch off the nocebo, you know, use that power within, use that intelligence within to do good because they can achieve a beautiful outcome in all those eight areas of their life if um, if they know how to tap into that. And you're one of those people that is extremely focused on this one particular area, which is why I invited you onto the program. Yeah, no, uh, and, and thank you for that, Sam. I guess when we want to break it down, if we let's look at relationship in a sense, in in a much broader sense, because obviously relationship with your partner is different to the relationship with your children, and is different to the relationship you have with your with with your friends and family sometimes. So if you look at relationship as a whole, and let's just say for example's sake that we're looking at a relationship breakdown, okay, um, before the breakdown, there has to be thoughts of the breakdown no one just wakes up in the morning and just says i'm breaking up with you there, there are obviously thoughts that sur- that are surrounding the breakdown there's there's research out there sam that you know when a when a when a couple divorces and let's say it's the woman that instigates the divorce you know she leaves the marriage 12 months before the actual leaving of the marriage so there, there, there are mm. thoughts, there are, there are situations in, in the mind that are like, how would I do it? When would it happen? Um, who can I run to for support? Where will the money come from after I leave him? What sort of uh, uh, custody will I get from the kids? Where can we move to that's not too far from the kids' school? And there's all these thoughts that are coming in the mind. Now, you are creating a level of expectation where you're going to live that scenario. So when we talk about relationship breakdown, the first thing is to realize that that's a thought in the mind before the actual physical event. Now, secondly, I will say that when you're looking at placebo effect and then, say, translating it over into relationship again, I look at the fact that have people out there got good family relations? The answer is yes. Do they have happy partners? Yes, the answer is yes. Uh, do they work on their marriage? The answer is yes. Do they have problems in their marriage? The answer is yes. Do they overcome those problems? The answer is yes. So you've set up a set of paradigms where other people have a level of happiness that you might be striving towards as well. So that now is a subconscious belief. You might know someone, you might have read about someone who seems to have, on the surface at least, 
who seems to have a scenario in their lives that you would like to emulate in your life. And it could just be a something as simple as loving your partner with everything that you've got and being there for them. So that is the same as taking a pill and then having an expectation that this pill will 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 heal me. So if you know that there are other people out there, and this is what we keep saying in our specific courses, is are there people out there that have achieved or have what you would like to manifest in your life? And the answer is always 99.99%. The answer is yes, this feeling of love and connectedness that I'm after, that actually exists in the world right now. So my job If that feeling and that understanding exists in the world, my job right now is to align myself with that feeling. What does that mean for a relationship? Well, finding common ground would be the first thing. So, you know, I don't I don't treat my wife in a way that I wouldn't want to be treated. So so there is a level playing field of understanding that I can't want to be pampered on if I don't pamper her back. So there is all right. How do I want to? How do I want to be treated? I want to be treated the way I treat her. So we're at this level where there's an understanding that people that have, I guess, relationships that we admire, there is a level of understanding within that relationship that there's a mutual respect for the other person. And the other thing I will say, Sam, is that common ground is a big thing, but you have to also address the elephant in the room. That's only done through communication. Sometimes some couples, I find, sometimes some conversations become stale and it's an old conversation that keeps getting rehashed. You've got to be able to clear the air with that person as well and know that if you want that relationship to really work out, you can do it. And you know what? Likewise, if you really aren't in love with the person that you're with, then the mind will consistently gravitate to how can I leave this and how can I make that leaving as comfortable as possible for myself? Because there's a big transition about to be made. So we've got to look at the fact that the nocebo and the placebo effect are, are two sides of the same coin. So whatever we give our attention towards, and, and I guess if there was a takeaway note from, from this podcast, it would be this. It would be understanding that life doesn't care what you give your attention towards. Life's role is all about expansion. So we have to determine what we want to expand. Now, the mind will say, well, we want to expand love. Well, you're not going to expand love if you have five people, your five closest people around you that are bitching about their lives. You're not going to expand love if you're consistently on news cycles, pushing fear down your throat. You're not going to expand love you know, if, if you're with someone that consistently complains about their partner and you absorb that energy, you're not going to expand love. So it's about cultivating and nurturing your inner environment, Sam, that I know you're really big on and a lot of people listening are really big on, being a lieutenant at the gate of your mind and, and turning away people and scenarios and situations that you know do not serve you. Like we go and have fast food. We know that this isn't serving our body right? So we have a knowledge of that. So we go and gravitate towards healthier food, but there's nothing out there that, and I think, I guess Dr. Guy Winch really touches on this really well with emotional hygiene, because we are at the level right now where we understand that we have to be, we have to be the person that guards ourselves against negative emotions. And I guess scenarios where we, we feel trapped 
and fearful and angry. And if you look at what's happening in the world right now and you're constantly bolted on every news program, you'd be easily forgiven to think that the world's going to die when, Sam, you might think the way I do in one sense, this is a huge reset button for the world. And and for the survivors that will be, and it's going to be 99.9% of are going to survive this, we have to use what we're going through right now as a mirror, as a looking glass to say, right, I've lived my life a certain way up to this point. Is there anything that's not serving me? Because I know that whatever I think about, I'll experience. And whatever I experience, I'm responsible for. I can't blame the next person because I'm experiencing something. So you really get into the psychology and understanding that you will create from whatever is going on in the mind. And whatever is going on in the mind is what you're letting into the mind. So you kind of end up being responsible for your own life, which is what we're teaching. And, and you know, and I'll keep going back to upgrade your life. But, you know, if you look at what you're teaching, Sam, and what I'm teaching, we're teaching self-reliance. It's, it's all about self-reliance. It's all about understanding that you can rely on yourself. Here are the tools. And, and if we can leave the world in a much more self-reliant scenario, then we'll find the answers that we are looking for and understand that most of those answers come from what we choose to believe and what we put our faith in. Absolutely. And I look, for me, it's, um, you touched on a few things there, but I just want to go back a step yeah. and yeah. Uh, just explain to people how they can use their, from a practical point of view, yeah. their creative visualization Absolutely. or emotional um, emotional meditation. Absolutely. Uh, Tom Sullivan talked about it. Now, he did this beautiful uh, group meditation that upgrades your life, and he did it by following the framework of a higher branch mm-hmm. and that the eight areas of life, health, love, family, work, friendship, learning, wealth, and charity. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking about relationships now. So, and we're saying that the the mind is super powerful at creating your material world, your physical world. Now, your relationship is uh, is the physical manifestation of what's going on, right, mm. in, your mind. in your mind. Now, at the moment, I've noticed a lot of people have thrown their daily rituals out the window because they're completely obsessed with watching the news. What is the latest count? Which country is up to, you know, what death count? It's, we're becoming desensitized as well. Yes. Now, I want to remind people that materializing what you visualize starts in the first hour of the day and the last hour. Now, and on relationships, your your morning routine has to be 20 minutes of exercise 20 minutes of uh, meditation and 20 minutes of journaling so using the power of the mind can only happen when you consciously sit and say i'm going to meditate on the eight areas of life it can only happen when you sit and say i'm going to now journal on the eight areas of life and the meditation for anyone in a relationship should look like this when you're meditating on your relationship you are visualizing how you want your relationship to be like for the rest of that day how are you with your partner visualize yourselves talking beautifully to each other uh, talking with empowering words uplifting motivating each other visualize yourself you know holding hands or hugging or cooking together or reading together or walking together or working out together 
in that first hour, it's absolutely critical to use the placebo effect to tap into that COM-T gene that we have to really visualize what you want your relationship to look like. So that is totally within your control. But I love what you said about how the impact of other relationships. So yes, you need to, as much as it is difficult to talk about this without creating arguments in a relationship, because I know there are some couples will, who will say, well, I'll tell the other partner, well, your friend over there is not good for our relationship because look at the way he or she speaks to his or her partner. Uh, we shouldn't be hanging around with people like that. And one of the partners will say, well, that's my friend. How can I dump my friend because they have a screwed up relationship, you know? Mm. And this is the hard conversations that people need to have. You're right. Who you hang out with when it comes to your other couple friends, it's super critical. It impacts your relationship in a profound way. Mm. So, you know, as much as you can meditate in the morning and indulge in positive self-talk, to make sure that you visualize the relationship you want rather than the relationship you don't want. It is equally important to surround yourself with couples who are friends, who do show love, affection, who are intimate, who are considerate, thoughtful, respectful, who talk to other in an uplifting, empowering way, who are patient, who are nurturing. I've, I've experienced this. I've surrounded myself deliberately with people who I consider to be uh, inspirational for me you know it's like you know as a tennis player you're told to play with someone that's better than you because that's the only way you improve your game mm. uh, likewise I like to you know share this information with people out there because uh, and that's one of the reasons why we you know we launched upgrade your life the one of the reasons why I hold this podcast because I'm determined to lift the average not just to help others but to help myself because I've coached people on certain things that they should be doing, certain changes, and they turn around and inspire me by the way they've made these changes, you know, by the way they've started the exercise routines or they, the way they meditate in a more disciplined way than myself or how the relationships flourish. And I look at that and I thought, what an inspiration because, you know, what we give out comes back to us. And absolutely. so when it comes to relationships, it's absolutely critical, you know, for your inner intelligence to work with you to tap into re other relationships who are equally inspiring for you. And that allows you to start visualizing the relationship that you do have and that you do want, uh, because like you said, the soil is there. It's yes. what we plant in it. And I don't believe in this notion of people who, you know, just say, I fall out of love. Yeah. Uh, I stopped loving that person. No, that's you've started focusing on the negatives. Yes. You've started planting weeds. 100%. Um, there is no such thing as falling out. It's like saying, oh, I've, you know, I've fallen out of love with my job and that's why I flopped mm -hmm. at it. Or I've fallen out of love with my business. That's mm -hmm. not the way it works. You don't mm -hmm. do what you love. Mm -hmm. You love what you choose to love what you do mm -hmm. at work. You mm -hmm. choose to love the person that you're with. Mm -hmm. And love manifests itself when you actually visualize the love that you want and then you from that visualization comes the action mm. uh, that you do take and your actions have no choice but to follow what you visualize you will always take action on the things that you visualize if you visualize working out in the morning then you are going to work out in the morning if you visualize yourself um, doing other things then you're going to attract your physical self to what you visualized 
you know, seconds earlier or hours earlier or in your morning meditation. You know what's interesting, Sam? I um, It's almost, I, I agree with everything you've said. There, there is one scenario I was posed with yesterday from a client um, who rang me at five o'clock last night. And the situation, I'd like your take on this, actually. The situation he came across in his partner, they've got two beautiful boys, was he felt that he was growing spiritually, understanding himself a lot more and making more, I guess, holistic choices in his life. His partner was the same woman that he married, you know, 18 years before. And he felt in his heart that, you know, his his interests had shifted in what he wanted to understand in life more. And he couldn't share those newfound ideals and newfound understandings with his wife because every time he did, she'll just kind of roll her eyes and say, what are you talking about, right? So I do think that when couples look at, I guess, thriving together, which is in essence what we're saying, they've got to move forward on the same page in an understanding of what they want out of their relationship as well. Because I I do feel that there are many relationships out there where one person in the relationship ends up having an epiphany or ends up having a higher understanding. Their partner either shares that, has no time to understand that, or life ends up being too busy to dive too deep into that. So they just see their partner going off on a little bit of a tangent, which is super important for that person because there's like a new knowledge or a new understanding. If your partner doesn't share that with you, then it can feel like you're not on the same page anymore. And that eventually, that small hairline crack can become bigger if it's not addressed. I I love that you've raised this because it's a common Mm. thing that I've heard, especially from people who attended Upgrade Your Life. Mm. There was a few of them that I said, oh, you know, uh, who did you come here with? And I said, I just came on my own. I said, okay, uh, are you married? You have kids? And they say, yeah, but my partner isn't into this. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of these um, relationships out there where they've just said they use the terms we've grown apart. Yes. Or, you know, I've grown more in this direction, they've grown more in that direction. To me, it is no different to what is going in the world culturally. We have different countries in this world with different borders that speak different languages, eat different food, listen to different music. And we use that difference to either use the word tolerance, to tolerate these differences instead of celebrating these differences. Or we may choose to actually... Uh, be fearful of these differences, these different cultures. So I think it's wrong for everyone on this planet to walk around thinking that I want everyone to be like me, whether it's my partner, my friends, or people from another country. I think it breeds fear, it breeds division and mistrust. And it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. I say if you need to celebrate your partner's differences, if anything... Okay, I know a lot of partners have a lot of things in common and whether they love working out in the gym together, I know some couples that really enjoy doing that. But I know some couples that have different interests and it's not about making sure that you have these common interests. That's not what using your creative imagination for relationship is all about. It's about celebrating those differences by getting together and saying, oh, well, it's like friends, right? You're a doctor. I'm a lawyer or you're a landscaper, I'm a barista. Tell me about your job. 
Now, if I got together with another lawyer and all we talked about was banking and finance law, I'm going to be pretty bored very quickly. But if I get together with a landscaper who tells me new things, then I tend to nurture those relationships. Um, And the same with intimate relationships. You need to celebrate the fact that your partner is different. Mm. Just because they don't see things your way or like the same things, it's not grounds for you to stop using your your creative imagination to visualize a, a beautiful relationship. Because a beautiful relationship isn't defined by you know, having interests in common. It's it's defined by the um, the love and support you give each other. It's defined by the physical intimacy, you know, making love. It's also, you know, um, defined by the confidence you give to one another. Even when it comes to decision-making, if you are getting your way 51% of the time in a relationship, that's, you're still winning. Like, <laughs> that's, they put that in the win column and move on. You know, you're never going to get, your way 100% of the time, and neither should you be uh, seeking that. Now, what has that got to do with creative visualization? Well, it's important that when we are meditating in the morning on what we want our relationship to look like, to manifest the relationship of our dreams, make sure you're not using, you know, the placebo effect, turning it into a nocebo by imagining, well, this is the things that I like, but this is the you know, meditating on the things that your partner, you know, doesn't like or meditating on the things that you don't have in common with your partner. You should be meditating on the fact that these differences or you liking different things make you interesting. When you do come together, it's going to give you more things to talk about. You said something earlier. It's about focus. It's what you bring your attention to. So early on in a relationship, we bring our attention to and focus on all the beautiful things we love about our partner. The, the biggest mistake people make in their relationship is they start focusing on the negative things. And we all have them. Me, you, everybody, right? Whether it's procrastination, whether it's, you know, worrying endlessly about certain things or look, whatever, whatever your weakness is, you know them. The key is not to focus on those weaknesses, you know. If your partner is someone that is someone that takes a long time to get ready before going out, it's chances are someone who's slow and methodical like that has some amazing qualities. So we all have negative qualities that can be flipped into positive qualities if we choose to focus on the positive side of that quality, each one of us. And that that focus starts in the mind. So before before we open our mouths and talk to our partner, we first have a visual in our mind. We first have a thought and a feeling. So you need to use the placebo effect to make that a positive thinking and feeling, just like you do for your own health, just like those people who cured themselves from cancer or from pain yeah. uh, or from incurable illnesses. You can actually cure a relationship by using the power of your creative imagination and uh Plant the right things in the soil, as Absol- you said earlier. Absolutely, <laughs> Sam. You're, you're actually you're, you're you're really spot on. I um, if there was one attribute that I think a lot of us are missing in that understanding, it is in the des- in in the deep desire to want to manifest health in that relationship. I I feel that you can you for people they can go and see a psychologist, they can listen to you and I, they can go and get really trusted scientific based advice, but and, and that advice will give them the tools and the steps to make the next right move, to heal, 
whatever it is in their life, you know, an illness, uh, financial bankruptcy, emotional bankruptcy, anything in your life, you, you can find the tools out there. A higher branch is one of them. I'm one of them. There's great people out there that can help you along on, on your path. But if there is an element that like like desire, if the, if the deep, and I'm not talking about um, psychological desire, it's almost like a heart-based desire. It has to be something that you really want to see happen. If that is there, then you're in a position to take the steps, look for the advice, find the mentor, um, listen to the podcast, whatever it is. But if your heart is only 50% or 49% or even 50%, Sam, if it's not in the same space as really wanting what you want to happen for it to happen, then it doesn't matter what anyone does, you're not in the mental space to want that to happen enough. And I think instilling desire in people is the hardest thing. Actually, I'm going to put it there as, as, as almost impossible because you either have a desire for something to walk out. When you walk down the, when I walked down the aisle when I was getting married, no one thinks about divorce. No one thinks about problems. When you're walking down that aisle, you're looking at the person at the end of that aisle, there with a heart on their sleeve saying, I will do whatever it takes to make this work with you. And you are saying the same thing to them. No one sees that. So that day, that, that desire where you really want this relationship to work out, that but the hardest thing for us to do is to have that same level of potency in wanting it to work out 15, 20 years down, sometimes five years down the track because there are other influences that hit you. So the, so I guess what I'm saying is the desire has to be there for you to then look for and locate the tools, the events, the people, the podcasts, the websites, whatever it is that helps you along because unfortunately we live in a world where a lot of people are interested in something to work out but not many of us are committed and the committed ones always find a way. The interested people will, yeah, I'll, I'll Google it and I'll listen to a podcast and I'll, you know, yes, it all makes sense. Yes. It all, it all rings true. Yes. It's all fantastic. But that next step of actually taking actionable advice that comes down to the individual. And I guess all the, we can do Sam people like yourself, myself and other people out there that are really wanting people to live their best life is to say, well, it's possible. If your desire is strong enough, it's really possible. It's really interesting, you know. We um we talk about the science behind um, creative visualization and to bring into your uh, life what you want to really manifest, right? And if you look at the science of it, you look at skin and bone and life and trees and everything around us that's tangible, and you can go and touch that. So you look at right, that's life, that's tangible. And if you take a microscope to that, you get cells. Right. If you take a microscope to cells, you get molecules. If you take a microscope to molecules, you get atoms. If you go one further, you take a microscope to atoms, you get subatomic particles. Now you're down to the electron microscope level. You take an an electron microscope and you look inside subatomic particles. And do you know what you get, Sam? I don't know if you've done the research. It's really exciting. You get these little things called quarks. Q U A R K S. You can Google them. They're really interesting. And quarks are pure energy, pure energy. And this energy shifts its structure just through observation. You can look at it and it'll shift its molecular structure just by looking at it. So you think to yourself, holy crap, let's go down even further and go, what's after quarks? How how far down can we go here? And science has said the only thing 
under quarks, anything inside quarks, and a lot of our, uh, uh, Sam, a lot of your listeners would actually understand this. If you look at inside quarks, the only thing that influences quarks is thought. Thought influences quarks, which influences energy, subatomic particles, atoms, molecules, cells, and matter, which is everything that we touch. So when people say someone walks into a room and you go, you know, the thing about that person, they've got great energy. You know, Guy Winch walks into a room and it's like the room lights up and it's like, I'm just looking around and there's this new energy in the room and there's this person that's just got this magnetism. That's the energy we're referring to. There's an energy in them on a subatomic level that they've walked in with. And that subatomic energy comes from their ideals, what they believe is true for themselves, what they've achieved, what, what the hell that they've gone through to get to where they are today, and their understanding of that things are possible, the understanding that they've taught people that things are possible, and they've achieved things, and then you get this great feeling, and this person's walked into the room, and all of a sudden the room lights up. And you think that's the energy that we're referring to. It's that subatomic level energy where you believe that things are possible. So when that kind of person does walk into a room or walks into a family or walks into a relationship, then you think there's something about you. I just want to be around you. You just There's something about you that I just want to hang around you because when I'm feeling, when I hang around Sam, I feel good and I want to keep feeling good. So how do I keep hanging around Sam? That's the feeling of and that's what we all need to encapsulate into our lives. We need to understand that we can all be this light. I don't believe that there's a select few of humanity that are special with a specific, and I know the science is saying that, Sam, but I believe that that light that we're talking about, the people that understand that they can live their best life, that is an understanding from within based on the fact that other people have done it. So the mind goes to, Oh, so has, has, has Barry done this? Oh, yeah, Barry's done that. And Barry kind of came from humble beginnings. How did he do that? How did he do that? The mind goes to the sense that Barry has done it. So all of a sudden, if someone else has done it, it really rings the story of the of the, of the four-minute mile. I don't know if you've looked at Sir, Sir Roger Bannister in the four-minute mile. Yes, of course. Yep. And you think to yourself, I think it was 7th of May, 19... Oh, God, you're testing me. 1954. I'll, I'll look at the date. And, and since he broke the four-minute mile, I think the following five years, 30,000 people had broken the four-minute mile, including high school kids. And, and then you go, what, how is that possible? Did, did, did the body somehow have some sort of miracle understanding biologically where you can run a sub-four-minute mile? How did that actually work? How did all these people? Because if someone lights the way, then the mind can make the leap and say, Oh shit, that's actually, oh sorry, I'm swearing here. That's actually possible. That's actually real. Oh, that's not just a fabrication in my mind. Someone has done it. I can go and shake their hand and they're a tangible physical representation of what I want to achieve. As soon as that is possible in the mind, your body then can run that four minute mile if you dedicate yourself to it. And it's the same with the placebo effect. If someone has, if someone has come back from stage four cancer, and you read their book. And by the way, Sam, I don't know if you've read the book by Anita Morjani, Dying to Be Me. Great, great. No. Please tell your listeners to read that. Such a good book. She had lumps on her body the size of lemons. And she beat stage four cancer and she had a near-death experience. And after that NDE, that near-death experience, she came back with a renewed sense of understanding that we are all love-based 
we're, we're a love-based species. And the, the, the quicker we can put ourselves in, in a place of kindness, tolerance, love, gratitude, all feelings that are associated with love, it's the natural state of our body. It's a natural state of what we do best and how we feel good. As soon as we can let go of the potency of fear, as soon as we can let that go and suspend any doubt, any negativity from coming into our lives, all of a sudden the rest of it is love-based. And when the heal, when the body and the mind is in a love-based state, healing begins in the mind and then transfers itself to the body. So please read the book Dying to Be Me. It's really, really, really extraordinary. And the author is Anita Morjani. You can pick it up on Amazon, I think. That's uh, really, really beautiful um, there, Barry. And I. so for those of you who are listening, I guess that the message here is that you need to be that light Absolutely. for other people. For If you're in a relationship for your partner, you need to turn into a true believer in yourself, in your inner intelligence. And uh, if you are a parent, you need to, you know, be that light for your children. And what, what that means is be an ambassador of that energy that is captured in that quark yes. that, that Barry is talking about. Uh, so if, if you are a parent, the influence you have over your kids can turn them into true believers. Uh, I remember when I was a little boy, my father convinced me that these brand new shoes that I bought you, you know, is going to make you run faster. Yeah, I <laughs> and I was a runner as, as a kid. And sure enough, I would actually beat my record every time when I was out there on the track, you know, <laughs> from running because I believed in it. So if you have kids, so moving on to the area of family and parenting, yeah. if you have kids, you need to engage that creative visualization in your kids so they can imagine the best life, the best for their future. Don't don't teach your kids to fear. And, you know, I, I talked about this last year where parents are trying to do the right thing by telling their kids things like, oh, you know, Tom, get up, stop playing video games. You're going to destroy your eyes. Or, you know, Sally, stop eating those chocolate cookies. You're going to get fat. The, the emotional damage that you're causing and the, the damage you're doing to your children's creative imagination is far worse than the physical damage from eating that cookie or playing those video games. Now, eating too many cookies and playing too many video games is bad for them, but don't, don't tell them to stop doing those things by turning their creative imagination on them, by teaching them fear. Because they're going to start now imagining every time they eat a cookie in the future. Yeah. You know, Sally's now 33, sitting at home, you know, in her apartment after she came from work, eating a cookie and feeling guilty about it and sending the wrong signals to her cells, thinking, why am I feeling terrible after eating this cookie? It's because as a parent, you're teaching them the nocebo rather than the right. placebo. You're, you're teaching them to use their creative imagination to plant weeds in that metaphorical soil rather than beautiful plants that will nourish them. So as a parent, it's absolutely important. So also I want to touch on something you, you mentioned about desire, uh, Barry. It's a beautiful point that you made. And what Barry's talking about there is that how do you motivate people to do the right thing that will you know feed their life, that will nourish them in all parts of their life? Desire tends to come in two ways. One is that out of adversity. In other words, 
you fall ill, you get diabetes, you're, you have heart disease, you go through a relationship breakup, and that forces you, that then triggers a desire for change, you know, for you to start meditating or for you to start working out or for you to be a more considerate partner, to reading books about, about being a better parent or a better, you know, a better partner in a relationship. But the message is don't wait for adversity to force you to change. Exactly. You know, a preempt, preempt adversity and make the change now. And your creative imagination is the most powerful way for you to to start with that change. So, okay, one of your one of the changes you might need to make is to exercise, you know, for a minimum of 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour. Now, you know, Jim Quick talks about start with a tiny habit. You know, start with something small. Start with, that, say, doing five push-ups, and then that you can build on that. But likewise, what I want you to, to do also is that, okay, if your intention, if you have a desire to start working out, if you have a desire to start eating health, if you have a desire to have a better relationship or to have more friends uh, or to be a better parent uh, or to be, uh, you know, a, a better leader at, at work, Okay, if you don't want to start with the action, start with the creative visualization. Start with your imagination first. Why don't you just start visualizing that? What does that look like, smell like, feel like? You know, imagine your five senses being engaged in that moment. You know, if you are imagining yourself having a great relationship, what does it, you know, feel like? What does it look like? What does it sound like to be out on a date with your partner? So when you start with creative visualization, that triggers the desire that Barry's talking about. And that will inevitably lead to action because the, the body follows the thoughts and the thoughts follow the feelings. Absolutely. And creative visualization is about the marriage between the thoughts and the feelings. And when you, you get that partnership between the heart and mind happening, I promise you that you will wake up one day and say, I'm going to do those push-ups. I'm going to go on that day. I'm going to, you know, play with my kids without the iPhone next to me. You know, I'm going to turn off the television and play board games. I'm going to go for a walk with, you know, my teenage daughter and, and really listen and talk. But it all starts first in your imagination. It all starts in your mind. And you know what, Sam, I was just going to say, I, I, it might sound a bit harsh here, but but I, I, I do put a challenge out there to all the parents. And I'm a parent and and I've got a three-year-old girl and another girl on the way in a couple of months' time as we're recording this now. And I I will put the gauntlet down in the sense that children will follow what you do, not so much what you say. So if you're sitting there telling your eight, nine, ten, whatever it is, to go for their dreams and you're not, then there's a – and I'm sorry, this is going to sound harsh, but there's a little bit of hypocrisy going on because – you, you've got to be the beacon of light. You have to be the change. You have to be the example to say, darling, you know, I want you to go for your dreams. And the way I did it for me was X, Y, Z. This is, this is my leap of faith, not in what I want or what I desire, but this is the leap of faith in me that I've actually backed myself. And it's not just hot air. I've actually gone out there and I've put myself into significant financial risk. I've gone out there and and, and and had the uncomfortable conversation. I've gone out there and 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 pitched that I believe in this certain 
corporate package, whatever it is, and I believe in it, and this is what the world needs more. And I've backed myself and I've endless hours on the computer putting things together to benefit humanity. Like you've got to go out there and back yourself first. And then when you speak to your children from a place of love and understanding, you're actually then speaking from experience, not from a a possibly a hot air filled desire of saying, oh, you know, dad didn't do it, but you should. Well, you know what? Dad has to do it. Dad has to go out there. And if dad had a dream and he never really, you know, actioned it, and action doesn't have to mean go out there and quit your job. Action can just mean like Jim Quick, you know, those five push-ups. Action can mean, you know, half an hour in the evening researching what it takes to really do what you want to do. And how, that's that's three hours a week you've put into it. And all of a sudden, you know, you can write down some tangible, actionable strategies that you can implement that have no cost associated with them. It's only your time now. And if you're putting Netflix on as opposed to doing that and in the same time saying to your kids, go for it, this is where I get a little bit hot under the collar because I think you can do it and kids will follow your example. You know, Sam, I know you've got a big family and they look at what you're doing. You know, one day when we're not on this earth anymore and someone's up there speaking at our funeral, they will rattle off that dad or my uncle or my husband or whatever. You know, this is what he believed in. And the way we know that that's true is because look at what he did. Look at what he initiated. Look at what he breathed life into. Look at the people that he surrounded himself with. These are all examples of the world that dad or Sam or Barry wanted to leave. This is what we need to focus on because if it's not, and if you're sitting there kind of from, from the spectator stand, you know, pointing at the players saying, you know, they should have thrown the ball this way and they should have done this. I'm sorry, if you're not actually playing the game, if you haven't got skin in the game in your own um, um, wanting to manifest exactly what you want to do, then it's all hot air. The, 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 the desire might be there from a, from a, from a speech and from a, from a physical word point of view, but it's not a heart-based desire. And it is only when, Sam, and Sam, you would agree with this, I'm sure, it is only when the spoken word is in complete synergy with your actions and your morals and your beliefs that things manifest. You cannot have those two areas separate. You can't say, I want to be a millionaire and then everything that you do is on the contrary. Or you can't say, I want a great relationship and everything that you do sabotages that relationship. You, you, you've got to have, and this is where the duality of um, humanity exists because we have the ability to vocalize things that we necessarily don't believe in just to keep everyone around us happy. And, and, and if you finally get out of that and understand as you grow older that it comes down to living those thoughts, putting life into your ideals, putting life into love and understanding and tolerance and gratitude and everything that you want to leave, unless you put life and breathe life into those very things, then I'm sorry, it's just hot air. It's just a wish. It's just, it's, it's an unfounded um, unbreathed, you know, there's no life breathed into it. It's just, you may as well just go and have some popcorn and enjoy Netflix because you'll be doing better for humanity than saying something and not actually living living those beliefs. So, Absolutely, yeah. because as I've said at Upgrade Your Life, our purpose in life is not to help others, but to inspire Absolutely. others. Absolutely. And I, I think we, um, we touched on this earlier when it comes to relationships and how some couples have different interests, but they 
uh, interpret that as drifting apart, having wanting different things. And the same applies to children. Your role is not to get them to follow in your footsteps. Your role is to be an inspiration for them, to show them how creative visualization looks like. When you're taking action in your uh, in your job, um, uh, you might be, uh, you know, a doctor or an engineer um, or whatever it is. Your role is not to to do that uh, to the best of your ability as an example for them to follow, so they can become doctors or lawyers. Or your role as a as a partner in a relationship is not to pursue, you know, self development and reading books because you want your partner to read the same books and to do the same courses. It's not about that. It's about inspiring them through your actions, so they can do what they want to do, and. Uh, and that's that's Absolutely. the message. And I, I believe our ultimate purpose is to inspire others who then inspire us through their actions. And together, you know, we cascade this uh, inspiration outwards. And I think that's what we're fighting with at the moment with COVID-19. And I recently um, got my team to post something on our Instagram uh, page uh, at a higher branch and uh, the quote was, this world was not built by conspiracy theorists yes, I saw and that. Of, of suspicion. Yes. And the reason I, I published that, because I keep a lot of things to myself, but there are some things I just, I, you just feel like you need to speak up because there are some forces that are trying to pull us in the opposite direction. You know, forces that are trying to divide us, you know, uh, forces that are making a political gain out of this or you know, um, coming up with conspiracy theories about 5G or this or that so that we can buy their products. And and it just occurred to me that, you know, this world was not built by those people. People who are there to spread misinformation never are never the builders of our society. And, uh, you know, ultimately, as humans, we all want the same thing. You know, we all want, you know, the fundamental essentials of a roof over our head. We want to be happy. All of us. So this notion that there is someone out there plotting economic dominance because they just want to be super powerful. You know, there are some names out there that they'll throw out like Bill Gates, you know, saying that he's doing bad and he's, you know, he's an evil villain that wants to take over the world and inoculate everyone. But that's just nonsense. Why would the wealthiest man in the world want to do that? Do you, do you think that we all have that, you know, our inner essence is love? Absolutely. And when, when we understand this, we can go back to amplifying messengers of love and hope and dial down those who choose to divide us. And, you know, my belief is that adversity should unite us. And the adversity of this coronavirus is there to unite us. And humanity works best when we work together. That's why we need to collectively now use our creative imagination to heal the world. Yeah, use our creative imagination to to imagine what it will be like when the restrictions are lifted, to imagine the parties that we're going to have with our family to start off with, to start using our creative visualization to create the world that we want to create going forward. This is something we talked about, Barry, you and I, before we started the recording, and that is we said that we don't want you know everyone to go back to doing what they considered to be normal, you know, before the coronavirus. Because there's a lot of people you hear saying, oh, I can't wait till, you know, life gets back to normal. And I say, really? 
Do you think life was normal before this coronavirus? Exactly. Isn't a lot of things that we are doing now more normal than what we're doing before? This particular, the restrictions, I'm not going to say the virus. The virus is not doing anything. It's what we're doing. It's the restrictions that our beautiful governments are working so hard. Now, beautiful leaders are working so hard to helping us overcome. It's forcing us to have more family time. It's forcing us to spend less. It's forcing us to commute less, you know, to have more time with family, to have more time to exercise, to meditate. So if you're listening, I want you to use your creative imagination to imagine what life should be like after the restrictions are lifted. And what changes do you want to make in your life? And look no further to the current circumstances that you're in, because that gives us an insight into how we should be living our life going Absolutely. forward. Absolutely. Sam, you know, you're spot on on so many things. Um, if you have if you have five minutes, I'd like to talk to you about a, um, a, a research piece that came out um, in the US, it's probably about 10 years ago, and they talk about um, an area called a quantum moment. And quantum moments are epiphanies. They, 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 they're like, a, like yeah. a, 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 like a waking up of humanity, which I think is what we're going through right now, right? And they talk, they've got about a thousand people together. They've got a thousand people together and they actually ran through what they were like before the quantum moment, before the awakening and what their new ambitions were after. And if you have five minutes, I'd love to read you through the research. So for women, just to give you an idea, for women, before a quantum shift in their life, before an awakening, right, the most important thing to women were A, family, B, independence, C, career, D, fitting in, and E, attractiveness. That were the five most important elements for women. After a quantum shift, Listen to how things change. After an epiphany, after an awakening, after a reset button in their lives, a higher understanding, A, the first thing, the most important thing in their lives goes to personal growth. Second, self-esteem. Thirdly, spirituality. Fourth, happiness. And fifth, forgiveness. That was the most important elements in their life after a quantum shift or an awakening or a reset button. And what COVID-19 is, is a gigantic global reset button, economically, uh, health-wise, the whole lot. Now, for men, have a look at how things change, right? So before a quantum shift, so before an epiphany, the most important thing to men on this in this thousand that they interviewed in the States, the most important thing was wealth, making money. That was the most important thing to them. Number two was a sense of adventure, like having an adventure, going out there with the boys, going in the wilderness, enjoying themselves. Number three was a sense of achievement, that you actually are achieving in life what others expect you to achieve. Number four is personal pleasure. And we all know what that kind of means, especially with men, right? So personal pleasure, being satisfied in certain areas. And number five is to be respected. There were the five elements that were most important before an awakening. After an awakening, have a look at how things change. Number one, the most important thing after an awakening was spirituality and their relationship to God. Now, before, this was very low on the men's list. It was like number 24. Now, it's gone to number one. Number two, after an awakening, and I think, Sam, you and I are in this awakening stage, right? Number two 
is personal peace. Number three is family. Number four is God's will. Now, God's will isn't, oh, God wants me to do that, or God wants me to do this. Is how do I align myself with the nature of giving, with the nature of love? How do I align myself in my daily interactions? How do I align myself? And the fifth one is honesty. And all of those subjects, you know what, all of those areas, those five areas after a shift, that encapsulates a higher branch. I know we've got the eight areas that we're looking at right now, but if you look at it, spirituality, personal peace, the relationship to the family, and that could encompass with your partner and with your kids and with your extended family, your God's will. So I know there's atheists out there listening to us, and that's fine as well, but there, there is a sense of higher purpose, higher achievement for your life, the reason that you're living and breathing right now. You've got something inside you. What is that will of God for you? And number five, honesty, and not so much honest that you're not stealing from people, but how honest are you with yourself as a man? How honest are you? Are you living and breathing and understanding who you are as a person? Or are you just kind of keeping the facade that everything's okay and it's status quo living? So it's really interesting what this COVID-19 has done, if there was a silver lining, and everyone's talking about it on podcasts all over the world right now, it is the fact that you have an opportunity to look at who you were before this virus and who you can be after if you desire it so. And if you look at those five attributes at the end that I was mentioning, if you look at those and encapsulate those, you know what it comes to, Sam? You're going from ambition to meaning. You're going through, going from wanting more and more and more and, and, and better and better and better and more expensive, more expensive, more expensive and more money, more money, more money to why am I here? Like you start to ask really big questions, questions that you probably don't have time to answer in your youth. So you look now you're, you're in your, you know, your 40s and 50s and you're getting older and you're asking yourself more serious questions. And I believe there are millions of us that are asking these questions without any real answers. And if you look at this study, it is amazing to recognize that our number one in men have gone from making money to the relationship we have with a higher deity, with a higher power, whoever God is to you. That's what we've gone to. And you think to yourself, there has to be a catalyst for that. There has to be something that that breaks us out of apathy. There has to be something that jolts us. And that jolt can sometimes happen on a very personal level, like you were alluding to before, Sam, a death or a or a or a or a, or a, or a, um, a divorce or some you know major major illness. Yeah. Um, or it can happen as a global pandemic, and and it's almost like a a global cleansing, shifting of mindsets to 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 actually go out there and be who you want to be and and live what you want to live and be an example to your children and your family and the world of your version of love and your version of understanding and your version of tolerance and how can you spread that wider and wider and wider. And it's really funny, Sam, your eight areas of life, once you do concentrate on love and being of service, every other area tends to fill up. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. As beautifully said there, Barry. And um I can't believe it, but uh, 90 minutes is almost uh, gone. We've been talking. We could talk for another 90 minutes. Uh, as, as usual, you're always a wealth of wisdom. Uh, thank you for uh, 
coming on the uh, podcast. Was there anything else you wanted to share with uh, our community about the uh, placebo effect before we uh, yeah. sign You up? know what, just just that we all have the power to destroy ourselves and the, we all have the power to heal ourselves. Whatever you choose to focus on, you will bring about, like period. Absolutely. On that note, thank you very much, Barry, for um, coming on the podcast. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you at Upgrade Your Life 2021. It's going to be a very interesting format next year. We've changed it. And I think it's going to be actually uh, incredible, really incredible. Um, More on that very soon. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, don't forget to live consciously, my friends. Thank you for tuning in. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things a higher branch and with the latest information from our incredible faculty of members and contributors, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you'd like to watch things, then head on over to our YouTube channel by the same name, a higher branch, and subscribe to that also. And if you want to go onto our mail list where you will receive even more special premieres and some really special offerings, head on over to ahigherbranch.com and sign up to our mail list where you will receive a free copy of my ebook Guide to Greatness but you will also be on the mail list to be the first to receive a copy of my next book The Circle of Conscious Living which is due out later this year anyway thank you again for listening and I hope to be with you next time